podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. In episode 19 of the NFL Vent Zone, we discuss Ballsy Brock, Destructive Dak, Crumbling Brady, and much, much more. Get involved and get it off your chest. Let's go. Hello everybody and welcome into the NFL Vent Zone, Oli Ong and Dan Yates. No Chris Tibbet here this week, ready to help you through the trials and tribulations that come with supporting a team in the National Football League. I've spoiled it already, the good news is that Dan is back, the bad, Tebs is not here. What more do you, hopefully we'll survive. Um, Dan, how are you mate? We've missed you for the last couple of weeks. Good, I know, I've missed doing it. Um, unfortunately, I was I was ill, but good to go this week, so glad to be back. Glad to, we've got some playoffs to talk about. Indeed, yeah, you are no longer questionable to, to return. You are back in the starting lineup, and we are very, very happy about it. Uh, we're looking forward to your coaches' breakdowns, as per usual. Um, we're going to miss Tebs, though. This is the point of the show that I would normally hand it over to him to uh, do his famous explanation as to why you should listen to the NFL event zone and what it is. Um, so I'm going to have to have a crack at that this week. So what is the NFL Vent Zone? The NFL Vent Zone is your platform, the platform for fans to come and vent about your team or anything else that's bothering you in the National Football League. Perhaps you're a Brady fan and your hero is falling in front of your eyes or perhaps a Jets fan and you're interviewing Nathaniel Hackett for the offensive coordinator role on your team. Now nobody's going to want to talk about that so why don't you vent about it on the NFL Vent Zone? Send us your events, nflventzone at gmail.com. We'll get them on the show, we'll discuss them, and hopefully make you feel better. Dan, how was that? That all right? As if Teb was in the room, right? Exactly the same, mate. Just exactly the same. We don't even need it. We don't even need it. Back. I think he does it with a bit more a bit more pizzazz, that fame <laughs> there. Uh, but yeah, no, all jokes aside, nflventzone at gmail.com. Send us your events, um, and we'll get them on the show, or link up with us on social media. So this week, obviously, we don't have as many games to pick from, but if anything, that probably makes it a bit easier. Um, as Dan said, we do have playoff football. That's what the new year brings, and that's what we're so happy to to finally have because I think the end of the season can get a bit tiring with some of the teams that are no longer in contention. So we're going to yeah. go through the games essentially one by one. Um, without Tebs here, we, we're, we're, we're going to take a lead on each of them, and uh, we've got a vent for each of them to to get us going straight where did the where did the uh the playoffs start they started with the 49ers my 49ers against the sea against the seahawks who are of course dan seahawks over there so this was a good one for me this was a very very enjoyable game and i look forward to hearing what dan uh how dan felt through this game as he watched brock purdy a seventh round pick not just a seventh seventh round pick mr irrelevant uh himself who's very much played himself into relevancy um, in the uh, in the seven games that he's now started, I believe it's seven. Um, yeah, the Brock journey c- c- continues. I know this is the vent zone, uh, and uh, we do obviously focus on quite a lot of uh, venting and negativity, but this is also a platform for bragging. And as you get into the playoffs, there's plenty of opportunities for bragging, especially for me here over my friend Dan, who supports the Seahawks. So the Brock journey continues. Christian McCaffrey was awesome. 
proving to be an exceptional mid-season trade, which because so often you see those not work out. But to see CMC just week after week dominating as a running back, but more, well, more prominently as a receiver out of the backfield. I think the biggest takeaway for me, other than Brock Purdy, was that Debo looks set, looks back to peak Debo form. Um, and true to true to form throughout the whole season, a theme has been D'Amico Ryans as defensive coordinator um, continued to make these halftime adjustments that mean that teams just don't score points in the second half against us, other than a meaningless touchdown towards the end. So, Dan, the 49ers, they were an awesome beast of a team this weekend and I mean they're, they're, they're like a freight train that's just unstoppable at the moment um, did you hold much hope going into the game? I think you're still muted mate No, I had no hope, we are not a very good football team we're a bad football team with a good offence but our defence has been terrible all year and you know where we're really bad? Run defence you know where the 49ers are really good at? Running the football. It was a disaster all day. But I thought we'd get completely blown out and we were winning a half tight. So I had a really good first hour and a half and I can't really complain about that. <laughs> Does that not just get the hopes up though and make it more no. painful? <laughs> no. I expected us to get blown out. So I was just like, hey, it's close. We still got the top five pick. I got nothing to be upset about. Yeah, I suppose you're right. I mean, the fact that the Seahawks were actually winning at halftime, I don't think anybody saw that. But the 49ers, I mean, toward, I think week 18 and, and maybe week 17 as well, we did seem a little bit slow in the first half um, of these games. And they just, just absolutely battered teams in the second half. And obviously that's massive credit to, like I said, D'Amico Ryans, who is looks set to be a head coach somewhere at the end, the beginning of next season, um, making these adjustments to just stop any team scoring, it seems. So I think... There was a period of time with three or four games where we didn't concede a single point in the second half. Um, so yeah, it, it, this kind of form from the 49ers is fantastic for me as a fan, but it also just adds all this pressure. And I feel like this is the when you when you when you have a team that's good, you just feel like we should win. And there's you almost put pressure on it because this is our chance. Um, obviously, we're going to talk about the other teams later, but. What do you think for the 49ers? Do you think they, they are they are one of the top two teams most likely to win the whole thing? I kind of. So my question mark is still Brock Purdy. Could yeah, yet I agree well, yes, you blew us out. But according to next gen stats, his completion percentage over expected was still negative. I.e. an av the bang average NFL quarterback would have done better than he did. So yeah, he's doing what he needs to do, but you have an amazing team around him. My concern is if if you get a injury, you're in trouble. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. It's, I completely agree to a certain extent where the bit that I'm most excited about in a weird way is Brock Purdy, but then also the bit that I'm most scared about is also Brock Purdy because even though, you know, he is this incredible story, he is this rookie, you did see early on, the, like in the first half, you did see some of those nerves. But in the second half, yes, he's making easy completions, but we're still forgetting that this is a seventh-round rookie in his sixth or seventh game. Like, is there such thing as like an easy completion for a Mr. Irrelevant quarterback? You've seen what Zach Wilson was able to do as a number two overall pick. Like, these, he is playing with extreme poise and 
when you compare him to his the person he took over from Jimmy Garoppolo, I can credit two of those touchdowns. Jimmy Garoppolo was not getting because Jimmy he has this ability to evade the pass rush. I mean, you probably heard what um, what uh, the head coach of the Seahawks, um, Pete Carroll, said. He said that they were they were chasing him all day. He couldn't understand how they didn't sack him because it felt felt like he was under pressure quite a bit on a few occasions, and he just manages to get away. Um, so yeah, I think you're right. It's gonna be. It's going to be it's going to be tense. He's he's going to continue to make these plays, or maybe that rookie performance where he crumbles is out there. But I'm holding out hope, and a massive credit to him for what he's doing. Um, I've read you for any last words on the 49ers and Seahawks before you take us on to the Chargers and Jaguars. I'm I'm just interested to see what he does when he comes up against a top tier defense. That yeah. throws stuff at him that he hasn't seen because. The thing about the Seahawks is we play basically three coverages and you know what it's going to be before the snap. We don't really disguise anything. So that helps a rookie out massively. If he ends up against the Eagles or even the Cowboys, they do a lot more pre-snap disguising that will test him. So well, we just see how he gets on. We don't have long to find out because it's the Cowboys in on Sunday night. So, uh, I mean, talk about high pressure, one of the most famous rivalries in the league. Um, that's going to be good but yeah Judges Jaguars take it away yeah so uh, my event here is something that I've written about a couple of times this year which is the Chargers' complete inability to run the football and lots of people will look at this game and say the loss is down to Brandon Staley's defense right because they gave up scores on every possession in the second half and I agree that it wasn't good, but the Jags made some adjustments and they beat what Brandon Stadium is doing. That can happen. Like people are allowed to be good at offense. What is criminal is not taking enough time off the clock to stop them coming back from twenty-seven points down. And from the moment that they were up by twenty-seven points. The Jags ran the ball 14 times, coming back coming back from 27 points out. The Chargers ran it eight. They had, in the second half, more incompletions than run plays, which is ridiculous. They had 13 first and 10s, or first and 15s, in the second half. They ran the ball four times. Like, what are we doing? And the reason that he didn't run the ball is because they were averaging 2.4 yards a carry. Yeah. This but, is part of an issue. Sorry, Greg. But if, you, if you're if you up by 27 points, running the ball for zero yards is better than throwing an incompletion because it takes another 40 seconds off the clock. So I kind of expected Staley to be fired. I'm not surprised at all that the offensive coordinator is gone. Because that running game is atrocious, yeah. and it cost them. It cost them the playoff game. Well, their running game is more of a. It's they. Their running game is more short passes to Austin Eckler, who is one of the one of the best weapons in the league. They. It, How many times did Austin Eckler touch the ball in the second half? Yeah, well, clearly not enough. <laughs> Six. 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 Best Six. offensive weapon got the ball six times, and they had. 32 plays 
and that's even more criminal when you when you uh, when you remember that their second or probably their third best offensive weapon, Mike Williams, wasn't even in the game. Also, he got injured because Staley played the starters and lost anyway in a game that didn't mean anything. And the, it, yeah, and this is why I kind of agree with you. Where I was, I was half expecting to see Staley fired already. Hundred um, percent, because it, they've always this, the the Chargers have got quite an unfortunate reputation among like around the league where they they've had all those years of like just weird like unexplainable crumbling performances where they've always had promise but have never been able to deliver. Obviously, Staley can't be he's not responsible for all of that because he's only been there for two or three years. Um, and, but then this season and you've got, you've got Justin Herbert there. You've got this amazing offense, uh, in terms of, you can't ask for two wide receivers. You can't ask for a much better offense than Williams, um, Keenan Allen. You've got Austin Eckler in the backfield. Um, but yeah, they just have struggled to run the ball all year. And I know this because obviously me being, I was a, um, Austin Eckler, fantasy owner, and he was the number one scoring running back in the whole league. Was any of that from rushing? Not really. There was only two games where he where he had big um, big running performances, but it was such a consistent every week: fifteen attempts for fifty yards, fifteen attempts for fifty-five yards, fifteen attempts for sixty yards. The reason that they dominated, well, not dominated, that they absolutely didn't dominate. The reason they did well is because he has such an ability to catch the ball out the backfield, and take it take it up the field and he just he always finds the end zone so yeah Joe Lombardi being fired was an absolute that was that it was it was one or the other really but I think everyone knew it was going to be Lombardi well let me put it this way on those first downs if they'd have run on five of them where they had incompletions and they had eight then that would have taken at least another three and a half minutes off the clock the Jags got the ball back needing to score a field goal to win with three minutes and nine seconds left. <laughs> it's just these little things. the game because of their refusal to run the ball. Yeah. It's these, it's these rookie, because it is that, that's rookie game management. Like, the, you, it's never way. It really is. It's criminal. It's criminal. Um, I mean, you're, you're a coach in the, uh, it, you're a brick ball coach, and uh, I'd like to think that you would have known to have done uh, a few. <laughs> oh, if you're up by four scores, maybe run the ball. Maybe you're a little rough. Um, I mean, yeah, I guess, I guess the argument against it, Austin Eckler isn't the best running between the tackles. Um, behind them, you've already got Joshua Kelly. Yeah, but the 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 passes they were calling were not completions. They were like 15, 20 yards down the field in an attempt to go and score without Mike Gray. But when you throw three incompletions in a row to go three and out, and you take four seconds off the clock. You might as well run the ball and get zero yards, zero yards, zero yards, and take two minutes off the ball. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're look. I don't know how you apply for the Chargers' um, offensive coordinator role, but maybe have a little look around LinkedIn. I reckon you're in with a good shot, mate. <laughs> right. We got no Tevs this week, but that doesn't mean we're gonna um, lose out on the opportunity to hear him uh, whining about the uh, Dolphins. Now, I've not heard this, so I'm, I'm not entirely sure what he says, but. Producer Cash, when you're ready, let's hear from Ted. Apologies, people, for not being able to be there this week. And I'm sure that you think that I'm going to be annoyed about, you know, the Dolphins weren't able to get it done against the Buffalo Bills. However, you know, you've got to respect the boys. People thought we were going to get demolished. 
we kept it to a three-score game. And what I am annoyed about, however, is the Dolphins fans saying that McDaniels has got to go. Maybe the DC, he should probably go. But saying that McDaniel has got to go is fucking ridiculous. I'm sick and tired of these Dolphins fans thinking that they know better. Then they don't know anything. McDaniel has been the best coach we've had in a hot, hot minute. And they shouldn't be so quick to judge. What are your guys' thoughts? Do you think that McDaniel has made enough errors to be potentially on the fired list? I completely disagree, especially with the news that we have two are back for the 2023. Here comes the money. Money, money, money. <laughs> Hello, gentlemen. I just want to get ahead of the storm here and uh, just explain that little clip off at the end because you you guys, especially you two, you uh, you have a tendency to really to really go for go for the go for blood. So uh, yeah. So I just came in to say that. That's all. We just want to, we do have a track record. Of, we 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 spiting we, me so much. Saying spiting, airing, airing the dirty laundry and doing you know reviews very publicly. So um, exactly. Don't well, worry. Coming in and in the one thing you talk in the entire show, knocking your microphone over won't quite <laughs> hurt. So it's fine with it. All right. Well, that didn't really get a plan. All right, carry on. Producer Cash, we cherish you. Whatever whatever you may think, we do cherish you. Uh, right back to the point from Tebs and do you know what I'm kind of glad he raised the topic that he did um, and I think it's a very valid vent to vent at these fans, any fans out there that think that Mike McDaniel should not be given a second chance or frankly it shouldn't even be I don't like the wording being given a second chance I think that his I think he should be happy with this season I mean it it just because Brock Purdy's out there proving that seventh-round quarterbacks can look like Tom Brady, all right, exaggeration. I'm sorry, but still, it's you've got to remember that Skylar Thompson is a seventh-round rookie starting a um, starting a playoff game. Like it, he, he should be happy. I, I'm convinced that he should be very, very happy with them, with the with his first season. Yes, it wasn't perfect the whole way through, but you think back to how dominant they were early on, um, how quickly people can forget that when things don't go well. And why were things not going well? Because every quarterback he was playing was getting injured. Two are, like, obviously with all of his concussions. Um, uh, Teddy Bridgewater didn't make it for a game, I swear. Skylar Thompson, seven-round rookie. That that gives you a, a low ceiling. And I, I think that Mike McDaniel should be happy for this first season. And I think the Dolphins fans should be uh, delighted to have him as their coach still. What do you think? Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, I think if we look at what's quote-unquote gone wrong for the Dolphins this year for me it's it's two things it's injuries at the quarterback position and yeah you can look at the 49ers and say well it didn't stop them great but the 49ers roster is way better than it is in Miami um and they're the exception not the rule mm -hmm. um the fact that their quality backup and Teddy Bridgewater can't get through an entire game has really been what's hurt him and then secondly, their offense has been great. Like you think back to the 49ers game and it was Tua's worst game of the year, but their receivers were open everywhere. And no one's done that to the 49ers all year long. So schematically, <clears throat> they're miles ahead of where they were last year. Tua's playing much better than he was last year. The question mark now is, will he be healthy enough? And it sounds like he's going to try next year. So yeah. see how long that lasts but he looks like a different quarterback. The second problem is their defense. 
And I honestly think Josh Boyer, their defensive coordinator, should be fired. And as a coach, I don't like saying that. But he's a holdover from last year. This is his first year calling plays. And he got better as the season went on. But he was bad. And their defense was horrible this year. Last year, they were a top five ranked defense in the NFL. This year, they're in the mid-20s. And they invest a lot in that position. Like, if you, in, in, in that side of the ball, if you think about the, how many... They've taken so many uh, DBs, like, high... I swear they just repetitively took first-round cornerbacks, it felt. They obviously invested in um, Bradley Chubb. Uh, they've had some others along the line, so I think you were expecting more more from them. Yeah, they have a huge amount of talent outside the ball. Um, in my opinion, they're far too aggressive in their blitzing. And you look at the blitz rates and they're, they're blitzing like third or fourth most in the NFL. But the way that they blitz is not, hey, we're going to send an extra linebacker. Their way of blitzing is, hey, we're sending seven guys. Or we're going flat out cover zero, everyone go and everyone's in man coverage. And they do that more than anyone else in the league. I, they get burned by it more often than not. And then people turn around and look at Xavier Howard and go, oh, you got beat one-on-one down the field. Well, yeah, because you caught cover zero in a stupid situation. Or yeah. you blitzed every linebacker and you asked him to cover man-to-man against um, against a 4-3 receiver running over the middle, running a slant. Like, yeah. no one in the history of the NFL would be able to cover that. No, and I saw this, sorry, this is slightly tangential, but I thought it was a really interesting point um, uh, I don't, you might you probably saw it as well, but I think it was um, was it Darius Slay the Eagles, um, the Eagles cornerback was kind of coming out in defense of Xavier Howard there because the and like an NFL social media account shared the video and saying oh Tyreek Hill burnt um Tyreek Hill burnt Xavier Howard. It's like no, they called an all-out blitz with everyone and not one of them got home. It's not it's not just say, like Xavier Howard one that had the tough job. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and they they did that um. Okay, the the Bills as well, and they called out, they called a cover zero, and it was like a third and five or third and six or something. And he's playing press man. So in that situation, when you know the call's cover zero, you're as a DB thinking, this ball's got to come out in under two seconds, right? Because the rush are going to get there. So you bite down on everything short, you're taught to play really aggressive. They run past it, he holds the ball for three and a half seconds because the blitz doesn't get there, and they throw a 60-yard touchdown. And everyone's going, oh, Xavier Howard got beat. Yeah. No, 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 no. That's not him getting beat. But it's what it looks like on tape. And people that don't understand the game go, oh, he's terrible. No, no, that's the play calling. That's the play calling and the blitz not getting home. Yeah, so... I've got a real issue with that. Yeah, uh, obviously, it is, the, it is the time of year where coaches get fired, and that's not a very pleasant part of it. But um, I think... <laughs> Heads, when when stuff like this happens, and granted this is still a successful season for Miami, it just has this slight feeling where someone has to go. Um, and I, yeah, I, uh, I must admit, I thought I'd already seen. Don't quote me on it. Five, yeah, yeah, exactly. that's fine. But you say it's a successful season, and it kind of was with Tua, but their record's the same as last year, and Brian Flores well, got fired. Yeah, but it just feels different because not only did. Like Tua taking those steps forward is huge because the, there's nothing more important than your quarterback. But yeah. but the it's just, it's also the fact that they've had the Tyreek Hill trade was undoubtedly a success for them to boast two wide receivers that both got 
like 1,300 yards or more. I think Waddle might have been just a bit under that. Tyreek Hill definitely over. That's that's a, a raging success. And then obviously quarterback injuries are the the one thing that just just take a team from up here to down here. Um, and yeah, it, I, that's why I just think that there's enough to be excited about that Miami, Miami Dolphins fans should be excited. I mean, the running backs had a, had a good year as well. So yeah. Right. Any last words? Yeah, they definitely should be excited. Um, they're also very quickly uh, a sneaky landing spot for Lamar Jackson, which we're going to talk about later on. <laughs> uh, podcasting one hundred and one, a little tease. Uh, okay, so the uh, you are listed to the NFL Ben Zone, of course, uh, with Ollie and Dan and Tebs this week, but Tebs will be back next week, and Tebs wants to make you feel better about your your NFL-based woes. So send us your events, nflventzone at gmail.com. Get them into us on the show. We'll uh, we'll get them on the show. We'll discuss them. If your team is winding you up, there's no better place to to blast them in front of all the listeners. So yeah, get them on the show, nflventzone at gmail.com. The next game in the playoff slate was the Vikings and the Giants. And I feel like this was the... I mean, there were some one-sided games, of of course. So everyone everyone thought that the 49ers were going to win. Everyone thought the Bills were going to win. And then this was the trendy underdog pick. The Giants beating the Vikings. And I think that there was an element of predictability with this game. The Vikings won 11 one-score games throughout the season in, in their, on their way to a very impressive record. Um, 11 of them being one-score games. And if I remember rightly, not just one-score games where... It's within the touchdown, as in one score games within a field goal. So it was almost predictable that they would then lose a one score game uh, and be one and done in the playoffs. Um, right, the issue. We just spoke about the Miami defense. What is the issue with the Vikings? It is their horrendous defense. I didn't have time to pick, go and get some stats. Dan might have done because he's good at that, but I didn't have time to get stats. But oh my word, they must be hideous. It's but they have been easy to pick on for the latter half of the second half of the season. They have been the easiest team to pick on. Um, the Giants wide receiver room is Darius Slayton, Isaiah Hodgins, and Richie James. Now, I they they've all proven to be better wide receivers than their names would suggest, and not household names by any means. They've proven to be good, but my, they were open in this game. They were wide open, and De- Daniel Jones had an incredible game. Um, now part of this is. That parts of this is reflecting badly on the uh, the Vikings defense, but um, we'll talk about the Giants' offense moving forward uh, later on in the segment. But let's start with the the Vikings because this was a horrible, horrible defensive performance yet again. Yeah, I mean it was it was dreadful. Their defense this year uh, has not just been bad; it's been the worst of the league. Like I. I don't understand how a 13 and 14 can have the worst defensively. And unsurprisingly, come the playoffs, they got beaten. And I, I don't think anyone was shocked by it. Uh, I think people might have been shocked by just how easy it looked for the Giants out there. Like, their first drive was so easy. It was like, are we watching Kansas City or are we watching the New York Giants who have three receivers? that were on practice squads at the start of the season. Like, this guy is throwing to people that other teams don't want. 
Like the Bills wide receiver group is not good. And Isaiah Hodgins couldn't make the Bills receivers group. He was on the practice squad. So with that lack of quality outside of QB, where I think Daniel Jones has proved himself, and Barkley looking like Barkley. Wow, he was getting near. Yeah. But to get bailed by that receiving group is shameful. And I would expect a lot of changes in that defensive secondary. Um, there's a lot of guys there that are probably past their best, and it's starting to show. Well, they, I mean, they, they had some additions. They had some additions over, over the offseason. They added Zadarius Smith, didn't they? And um, they, uh, that was one other that I can't remember off the top of my head. Great podcasting. Um, but they've made additions, and, and it's just when you see it crumble this badly, um, again, the head's got a role, and there's. I'm pretty sure the defensive coordinator has already been sacked for the um, for the Vikings. Um, so yeah, they 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 need they've got the offense. You know, they, Justin Jefferson is arguably the best wide receiver in the league. Dalvin Cook definitely looks a little bit like he is um, going down the Zeke route of just like struggling to run, like. Not, not nowhere near as bad as Zeke, but he doesn't look to me like he's got um, much going on. I think he's had quite a, like a, a medium year. Um, but yeah, looking at the Giants, again, I've mentioned this a few times throughout the year. Dayball, Brian Dayball, is, had, has had an absolutely unbelievable first year. I think he should probably be coach of the year, um, definitely in the top two. Um Vikings DC is staying. It's just come in the chart. I can't believe that. Um, anyway, yeah, Dable, Coach here. I mean, one of the talking points, as we've already spoken about with, with Brandon Staley, who is, you know, he, his job was theoretically at risk. Um, he he played his players, didn't he? He played his players in Week 18. Um, the big talking point was how uh, Mike Williams got injured, was injured. Um, Brian Dable rested his players, and didn't they look like a team that had had a rest were, were well prepared um and th- again this team everyone started this season thinking that the giants could potentially have the number one overall pick they had no talent on either side of the ball or so people thought and now they've stormed into the second round of the playoffs they're going to play against the eagles who i'm i'm convinced they're going to give them a good game and dable has for a fir- for a first year as a head coach um, with a team with no talent, I can't think of it going much better. Um, yeah, would he be your would he be your coach of the year? Um, him or Doug Peterson, I think. Um, yeah, just because of the transformation that the the Jags have had. Um, but I think anything was going to be a breath of fresh air in Jacksonville, given what happened last year. Yeah, the the every time I turn on the Giants tape. I go, these guys are not very good. Like, they aren't a great football team, but they're really well coached. And the game plans are excellent. Like, even defensively against the Vikings, they played far less man coverage than they played all year because they know that they can't guard Justin Jefferson, man on man. So they just did it. And they've played man coverage on way more than 60% of snaps this year. They've been one of the most heavy man coverage teams in the league. But based on that matchup, they went, we're not doing that. We're going to sit in our zones. We're going to double him in zone coverage. And we're going to ask you to beat us with someone else. And he got 40 yards. He got about 40 yards. yards. Kind of like, 
coaching that that is just a fantastic example of how co- good coaching wins you games because they were on a, when you consider the like Kirk Cousins um Justin Jefferson Adam Thielen going up against that Giants defense the on paper the Vikings win every time add in the element of the coaching and they they outcoached that and and that was that was an, a very impressive effort so yeah fantastic there from the Giants fraudulent Vikings well, you know, on on what you just said uh Adam Thielen's done I would expect him to be cut. There you heard it. You heard it here first. Adam He's Thielen. 32. I'm just having a look now. His cap number next year is 20 million. They can save 14 million if they cut him. He's gone. KJ Osborne, next man up. I mean, KJ Osborne was working his way into the offense a bit more towards the end of the year then anyway. Um, TJ Hawkinson. Uh, TJ Nealon. They can save 14 million. He's going to get cut. It feels a shame. It does feel a shame that um, the Hawkinson had to be on a losing effort because that was a fantastic mid-season trade as well. Uh, right, I have one. What I, I know, reached cash holders to move on. I have Let one you know. more. Please, I'm going to be very delicate about this. The Vikings fans that want to get rid of Kirk Cousins because of that last play are idiots and don't understand football. If you look at that last play. He had a Giants lineman in his face. I think it was Dexter Lawrence. He wanted to throw to Justin Jefferson, who is double covered, and it's great double coverage. Yeah. And the only thing I think he could have maybe done better is extend the play slightly, but he's getting chased by a free rusher. And so he made the decision that it's better to put the ball in a playmaker's hands and see if he can beat a one-on-one tackle. Not that unrealistic. Or take a sack. Mm-hmm. Like, the people that want him gone for that play don't understand. That's it. I'm done. We can move on. Yeah, they will quickly they, they will quickly remember the pain of not having a franchise quarterback on your team. And that is not a way you would go down. Uh, His average completion percentage over-expected in the playoffs was the highest of any quarterback this weekend. He's not the problem. The defense is the problem. On we go. Sorry, Dan. The uh, the Bengals played the Ravens this weekend. What did yes. you pick out from that particular matchup? Yes. Uh, the Bengals weren't very good, but the Ravens match up really well against them. Um, the Bengals' defense is really, really stout and very stout against the run in particular. And the Ravens are one of the very few teams that could run against them. But my event for this particular game has nothing to do with the game and everything to do with Lamar Jackson because that situation for them is an absolute nightmare. I don't know if you know, and a lot of the fans out there may not know, Lamar Jackson didn't travel with the team for this game. Mm -hmm. Now, injured players typically wouldn't travel with the team for any game unless it's the franchise QB. Yeah, who would be there to help the backup QB, especially when the two of them are supposedly best friends. Like, they've both independently said that they're best mates, Tyler Huntley and Lamar Jackson, and he didn't travel with the team. And previously in the week, he put out a relatively defensive tweet explaining why he wasn't playing, basically saying that he chose not to play. And the reason he chose not to play is not because he wasn't 100%, although he may not have been 100%, definitely has a knee injury, 
three or four weeks ago it was still swollen. But he's not playing because he hasn't got a contract. That's why he's not playing. And, he and, how, big is that, and how big is that contract going to be? It's going to be smaller this year than it will be last year. Because this is the yeah, second but... year in a row he has not been available in December. It's still going to be... It's still going to be quarter of a billion pounds roughly 250 million that's 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 the going price it seems for a quarterback of his standard so well, last year they put 180 million fully guaranteed on the table for him then they're not going to do that this year because once again he's missed a third of the season you go back some... over the last three years he's effectively missed the season's worth of games mm-hmm. you can't have a franchise qb you're paying 50 million a year missing one in every three seasons yeah okay so somebody's going to do it though when they when you consider when you consider how desperate so he, I, i'm convinced that he's going to get paid uh i'm convinced he's going to get paid the, a contract that looks like they're not taking their the injury into account and if you think that the ravens are not going to do that then I'm convinced that somebody else will. And to to the to the argument of whether or not he should have played, I don't mind him not playing. Like fair enough. No, like I I have no problem with him not playing. I have a yeah. problem with him not being there for the team. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to go because I mean, if you consider the play in which that changed the game, the but the uh, the uh, um the Bengals did not score another point after that that turnover. Uh, one on that red zone turnover, fumble recovery, ninety nine yard touchdown. They didn't score another in the back, by the way. They then we started on the refing this weekend. <laughs> it didn't. They didn't score another point after that. So that was the pivotal play. Um, I honestly think that the Bengals were that close to going out. And you know, when you, when you have a little, I'm not saying that Lamar Jackson was gonna would have been there to say, uh, right, when you're sneaking it, go this way, don't do this, because you do see quarterbacks um, reaching over. A, and, and doing that but when it comes down to little decisions that create franchise altering plays it can't hurt to have the franchise quarterback there in the in the in the era of his best mate um and and what that would do for the rest of the team as well and obviously this has been contentious because um uh the the running back who's uh whose name is blanking jake um, dobbins jake dobbins uh he obviously came out after the game and said uh we'd have won if Lamar was there, and that is not what you want your team to be saying. Now, okay, I'm going to defend him here. That he got asked, would things have been different if Lamar was here? So, okay, obviously, in that, in you want him to say yes. You don't want him to say no. We don't need our franchise QB. So, yeah, but he that's been he has... that's been misconstrued by the media a little bit. Well, yeah, and but, that is what the media does, and and you've got to have the full story. And I'm glad that you did clarify that. But then he, these guys are all media trained. They know, you know, if he, in that situation, he can deflect. He can say, it doesn't matter if Lamar's not here. We didn't get it done today. We needed to be better as the team. He, but then he also wants to back his mate who's looking for a contract, right? So he wants to turn around and say, yeah, this guy that's asking for a quarter of a million fully guaranteed is worth it because it's you make a difference. There's the difference. All right, fair enough. But um, he doesn't have an agent. Lamar Jackson doesn't have an agent. And that's going to really hurt him here. Because the the Ravens are going to franchise tag him. And he's stuck there for the next two years. Unless he turns around and tells them that he's never playing to them again. Because there's no way they're going to do anything else than slap him with a franchise tag. Which next year is like 
42 million. They would happily pay him 42 million for one year. So, yeah. it's interesting to see. I'm 30 to 40% chance that he doesn't play for Baltimore ever again and he gets traded. I mean, that, I think it, it would be fun if he got traded because that's a. That is a that is a story that will be fun to follow, and he immediately turns the team into a Super Bowl, um, definitely a contender and potentially a favourite, depending where he goes. Um, cool. Last but not least, on the playoff slate, we had the Cowboys absolutely battering uh, the uh, Buccaneers, who probably shouldn't have been here, but that was a representation of their awful, awful, awful division. It was quite a sad sight to see, really. Brady just, yeah, Brady. Brady looked like Brady. Brady looked like something we're not used to seeing with Brady. Although maybe we are this year, but there was. A, I definitely felt that he's had a rough year. He's had. To, he's he's looked good at times, but it has been this weird year where he looks skittish. He doesn't look like he wants to get hit. He's missing receivers. He's throwing short of receivers. It felt like. Half of the balls he threw were bouncing a yard in front of the receiver. I don't know. It was weird. But there was a part of me that thought, playoff Brady is a different animal. And he battled his way for a season of difficulties where he might be struggling to motivate himself. Obviously, he's had issues off the field as well, going through a divorce. Um, But I just felt that maybe playoff Brady would turn up. And when you look at the numbers, 350 yards and two touchdowns. Maybe playoff Brady was there. No, he wasn't. That was off 66 pass attempts and one interception that was absolutely horrendous and came early enough in the game that that, that, I mean, when you lose that badly, there wasn't weren't many turning points, but that would have given them an opportunity to, to motivate themselves to get into the game at an early stage. You can't deny he has the weapons. He's got Chris Godwin, Mike Evans. Um, he's got the weapons there. <laughs> I think it's just time. Um, and it's probably bad to focus on the Buccaneers because the Cowboys are the team that dominated. Um, but I've got a bit of talk in there. So what what impressed you? We'll come back to Brady in a bit. This was a concerning sign for the for everybody that's not a Cowboys fan, don't you think? Uh, yes and no at the same time. The Bucs are a bad team, right? Yeah, they're... we've known that, yeah. For me, this is not really about the Cowboys. Um, they were bad the week before. They heard in the week in the press all week long that they weren't very good. Playoff Tom was here. They were playing so badly at the moment. Blah, 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 blah. And they got angry and they went out there and they stomped on a bad thought. Um, but for me, the... One of the big issues in this game was the Bucks play caller. Tom Brady is 45. He threw the ball 66 <laughs> times. <laughs> 66 times. They ran the ball 12. Why? They got over four yards to carry and ran the ball 12 times. Yeah, give it to the guy. Now, 45-year-old quarterback. I don't give it to the guy that's half his age. <laughs> yeah. So I, I looked at the stats afterwards and I was like, oh, they must have not run the ball because they got like two yards of carry. No, they got four and a bit yards of carry. And they still chose to run the ball 12 times and throw the ball 66 times with a 45-year-old man. No wonder that they lost the game. 
Now, he didn't look great. I imagine his arm was quite tired. He threw the ball 66 times. Yeah, he had a completion. He had uh, a, a pretty much a 50% completion rate, I think. Yeah, not to mention, their O-lines, the, the tackles are good. The center of that O-line, the two guards in the center, are bad at pass blocking. Yeah. Luke Gadeff no, got his ass beaten all day long by the Cowboys. Yeah, it were a good defense, but that is the that is an issue when you have a forty five year old quarterback who it hurts oh. a bit more in the morning and it, it when when you when you get hit, you, he's not he's not like this twenty five, twenty six year old quarterbacks who like bounce up for the next day and are absolutely fine. This is a forty five year old man we're talking about and people forget that because he, he is a freak. Um yeah. and the yeah, line was really good. They were really good. The quickest sack that the Bucks got was over five seconds. If you're getting five seconds to throw the ball every down, you're going to win the game. So yeah, they, I mean, they protected that really well and made him look a lot better than they did the week before. Because let's be honest, if like going up against that 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 defense, um, if you have time, you're going to be fine. And uh, he was. And this was uh, this was the Cowboys' offense that got um, humiliated by the Commanders just one week ago, and we were on. We were literally sat here saying how concerned everyone should be about the Cowboys um, being bad. And now everyone should be concerned potentially about them being good. But I take your point. That was just a good team going up against a bad team. And uh, unsurprisingly, they, they had their way with them. And uh, it did confirm really that the Buccaneers, um, that was one that was one of the worst division performances from, from all four teams that we'll, that we'll see. Um, so, yeah. Um, we'll move on. Obviously, we could talk about where Tom Brady's going to play next year, but I think we'll have plenty of opportunities to do that. So, that was the playoff slate. It's time to look forward to this weekend and make some locks. Seamless. Uh, Ali, that's... It's almost like you've been doing this for a while. It's almost like we're on episode 19. Bloody hell. Love it. Absolutely love it. Let us see it. I, I, thanks for welcoming me back in. I realized that earlier when I cut in, I didn't even explain why I was uh, why I was cutting in. But you don't leave that as a mystery for the listeners. No, no, no. Uh, no. Let's continue to air your, your shitness. Sorry. Did, did you just say that? Unbelievable. I'm professional, Ollie. You, you'd be lucky. I'll be taking this up with FedZone HR, all right? I'm just <laughs> So... <laughs> So getting to the task at hand, we are we have got the locks. So last week, unfortunately, Dan, even in your absence, you did you took a, a big old L, um, and it, and that actually has some pretty big repercussions. But uh, Teb's got a, a, a W with the Jags and an unexpected W, you might I say, from the first half, and then Ollie swooped in and uh, and took another W with the Cowboys. So that means that the the order that we have at the moment is Ollie is six and two. Tebs and Dan are both five and three. Oh, it's a lot of information. It's tight. It's tight. I mean, it's what real glorious. Well, I find funny. <laughs> right, it's funny to hear. It's funny to hear um, what Chris has just said after hearing you just slate the the Buccaneers as a team who it sounds like you think didn't really have a chance to win that game. So. Don't don't you dare complain about being too late to pick the Jags because there were other teams out there you could have picked. Absolutely. No, I I took. Okay, I 
I've got to go off here. Here we go. The Jags are my team, all right? I, I wrote about them and said, Trevor Lawrence is a top five quarterback. They're going to make the playoffs and they're a nuisance. Just because Tebs got there first, because I was out ill. Thanks, gents. And that, like, protest took the box. As an FU, this is where I got. I'm livid that my Jacksonville Jaguars are taking away from me. In in fairness, Dan, I have to say, uh, in the, the in the hindsight, it was a bit of a rough move considering you were very ill. <laughs> we were like, no, 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 sorry, mate, too late. <laughs> so yeah, and, and this week we're taking away the stipulation that you can't pick the same game as someone else. One week after, I got royally railroaded by that. Yeah. Uh, I'm very sorry about that, but you know, I'm enough times. It gets... no, I'm not sorry at all. I mean, I'm, I, hey, I'm still upset. I'm not even in the competition, so you know, we've all got something to complain about here at the vent zone. <laughs> yeah, well, there's my vent about this competition stiffing me. So now I'm in it. <laughs> right. Well, it sounds like uh, vent zone HR are going to be very busy this week. It's going to be a very busy week for them. <laughs> I think. It's, yeah, this is ironic if I am H- uh, vent zone HR, but I think you fine. would be. <laughs> yeah, I think I guess I have to be tonight. So uh, this week, as, as uh, Dan so kindly said, is that we have removed the stipulation that people cannot pick different teams. So we have a double lock on... Can't pick the same, can't pick the same teams. Can't pick the same team. We, you just said that we all had to pick, we all had to pick the same team. <laughs> now that, gentlemen, is where the definition of losing thought as you're speaking... <laughs> Sorry, mate. You're doing really well. This is going. Really yeah, well. no, this is good. Just keep going. You'll get that. You're <laughs> <good money. laughs> We need love, you appreciate, I appreciate your tones, but okay. This week, yeah, Tebs and Dan have both picked the 49ers, and Ollie has gone for the Eagles. So, probably I, very well. All a- NFC, no AFC picks there. Is that a reflection of the conferences? Or are you guys just feeling it? So the NFC is the one that had the upsets last week, right? With two division winners losing and two wild cards going through. In the AFC, you had all four division winners winning. So I think if you look at it, you look at the Jags. Is anyone going to lock against the Jags when they just came back from 27 points down? No. No matter how much you believe in the Chiefs. No one's going to lock against the Chiefs, against the Bills, or against the Bengals. So it makes sense that we're all focusing on the NFC. The Eagles have been very, very good. My problem for you is that the Giants lost a very close game with them playing backups. They match up really, really well against the Eagles because the Eagles' run game is not going to be able to push around the middle of that defensive line for the Giants. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens there. And then 49ers and Cowboys, I've gone 49ers. They're one of the best rosters in the league, if not the best roster top to bottom. Um, whether Micah Parsons plays as a pass rusher, at which point that linebacking core doesn't look great against Christian McCaffrey in coverage, or whether he plays as a linebacker and then they're not going to get home in their pass rush, uh, I think the 49ers have got too much for the Cowboys. Yeah, there's the, that's the benefit of the way that the 49ers are set up, is that they can react to everything and create mismatches they're, almost, they're guaranteed every game to have a mismatch somewhere because Brandon Ayuk would be one of the lowest ranked. One of the one of the um, you know he Brandon Ayuk would come behind these three other people ahead of him in terms of the offensive weapons. But Brandon Ayuk is still a hell of a route runner. 
Um, it, you know, he's a he's a very, very, very capable wide receiver. He went for a thousand yards for the first time this season. So it just allows you to create these matchups everywhere. I am um, glad that you went with the 49ers um, from, again, I spoke about this last week in terms of like the emotional aspect that comes into this. I don't mind you picking the 49ers because if they win, I'm delighted. And if they lose, I at least get that little, that little like glimmer of sunshine. And that is that I've taken that you've lost in the lot competition. So yeah, I went with the Eagles just because I agree. I'm not necessarily as confident as you would have thought earlier in the season with this matchup. Um, especially given that Jalen Hurts is far from um, 100%, um, we can assume. So if he, if there's any limits to his throwing ability, and like you said, they're going to struggle with the run, um, it's going to be interesting. But look, it's going to be a good game. Um, I'm just sticking true with uh, a team that I think are right up there as one of the best in the league. Yeah, I think it'll be low scoring. Uh, Cash, feel free to set that and shove it in my face next week. Um, but I'm fully expecting a like 17 to 20 type game where it's going to come down to the end with that one. Uh, 49ers Cowboys could be a lot of points and a lot of fun. So I'm very much looking forward to seeing that. It will be. Cash, have you, would you like to say anything about how you're feeling? Obviously, you're repping what looks to me to be a new uh, San Francisco uh, jersey or, or well, t-shirt. It is. I mean, there's no point in me showing you it because it's an audio-only podcast, so that's not great. Oh, that's yeah, you see, this guy, I'm now going to the point in life where everything I get given Christmas or birthday is always 49 related. So, you know, I'm living the dream. I've shaped my own reality. That's what I say to that. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I don't really have much of an opinion on the games um, other than, you know, bang, bang, Niner gang. And uh, yeah, just excited to watch the playoffs and get a bit of quality time you know i love the regular season yeah i love watching i love watching all the games going on at once but sometimes it's just nice to sit back watch individual games and just really appreciate this beautiful game that we all love damn straight couldn't have said it better myself and when this beautiful game winds you all up you know where to go the nfl vent zone baby will be here for you next week as we are every week and you can reach us nfl vent zone at gmail.com make sure to get in touch when your team wind you up well enjoy the playoffs and we'll see you back here next week Do you reckon Chris's laptop died? So now, like, the, the stream just can't end. Sports Social Podcast Network.